This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Andy Cabasso. Andy is a digital marketer, founder, lawyer, speaker, former Guinness World Record holder, and occasional wedding officiant. He previously started, grew, and then sold a successful digital agency. Today, he's the founder of Postaga, an all-in-one platform for cold outreach that helps business owners, marketers, and salespeople connect with journalists, bloggers, podcasters, potential customers, and affiliates. Thanks so much for joining me today, Andy. Thanks for having me on, Diane. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, Now, before we get into this, I do have to ask, Mm -hmm. uh, Guinness World Record holder for what? Um, yeah, I, I like throwing that line in there. Uh, 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 so I, I wish it was more exciting because then I end up telling the story and it's like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, everyone has that, I think, childhood dream of being a Guinness world record holder, like back in elementary school, uh, we go to the library and they'd have those big shiny Guinness world record books with all these amazing feats that people have accomplished. And, uh, I always wanted to have a Guinness World Record, and uh, unfortunately, I have no talents to speak of at all. Um, so uh, I guess it's going to be for an interesting podcast. Uh, but um, years ago, there was a massive online secret Santa uh, organized through Reddit, uh, which basically was uh, you get matched up with someone around the world. Uh, and you send them a secret Santa gift and they, and someone else would get matched with you and send you something. And so I was one of tens of thousands of participants in this and we were the largest secret Santa organized thing. And so it won a Guinness world record and I've, I've got a Guinness record plaque on my wall. But the following year, the record was broken by the oh. same group. Uh, so I guess I'm a former Guinness world record holder. And so I don't know what to do with myself now. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what, <laughs> even, even being a former it is an accomplishment. You should wear that with pride. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I did the very bare minimum necessary to win this thing. So <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe I'll have to, I don't know, start collecting something. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, right. There you go. How do I get back on the list? 
right? Something, something a little strange. So you don't have to collect as many in order to get it. Well, thank you. For that <laughs> I appreciate it. Now we're going to get into cold emails and getting in front of people and whatnot. And so um, I actually want to start with something that you say, you say that all of cold outreach has the same process, no matter what your goal is. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on what that entails, what is that process? You know, what, what are you thinking? Yeah. So with, with cold emailing, like it's a very, I think it's a very straightforward process, even if the contents of our emails and the contents of our messaging may differ based on who our intended recipient is, but it's basically like a really like a three-step process. Like the first step is we do our research and prospecting to find out who we want to reach out to. Um, And there are a ton of different sources you could use. If you're doing cold email for sales, you might be using um, some databases of contacts. You might be manually scouring LinkedIn or something like that. Um, If you are trying to get press coverage, you might be looking through looking at Twitter or going manually through different blogs that you read to find the uh, journalists or bloggers. Um, And once you do the prospecting, the next thing you need to do is find their contact details. And there are a bunch of different tools out there for that that you could use. Um, But like once you have the contact information and you know who you're going to reach out to, the next step is the creating and sending the messaging. And it's going to differ, obviously, if you're pitching someone services that you're trying to sell, or if you're trying to pitch someone covering your business or writing about it or trying to get someone to sign up as an affiliate, it's all going to differ in terms of messaging. But this process is, I think, pretty straightforward and pretty simple, no matter what it is that you're doing. Um, And it kind of Uh, when we started building Postaga, we had an idea in mind of helping people do cold email outreach for SEO and and link building in particular. But as people were using our software, we were realizing this has wider applications. And so we made it more user-friendly for people doing outreach for sales and, and PR and things like that as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm glad I asked the question because I love process and um, I I love this idea that the process is basically the same. You're just, um, the audience is a little different. Therefore, the messaging is probably going to be different, but the steps that you go through are uh, the same, basically. Mm. Yeah, and I, I obsessed over process a bit just so I, I years ago before I started Postaga I uh, started uh, grew and then eventually sold a digital agency and one thing that really helped the agency grow was building repeatable processes for our team to do for our clients and also for ourselves to help us market ourselves better and even if we were working with very very different businesses with different customers we made sure that our that our workflow could be applicable to the widest range of types of businesses so we could scale that business and whether yeah and whether you're running an agency or doing sales or in your organization 
having a, you know, a repeatable process for your different, for your different tasks and things like that um, can help you grow your team. Cause for us bringing on new team members meant that, you know, like obviously there's that training that you have to do and get everyone up to speed, but for us building repeatable processes and being able to document those repeatable processes made it so much faster for people to get up to speed and for us to be able to keep delivering results for the people that we're working with. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about prospecting, um, which, you know, is really, you know, trying to find the right person, right organization, whatever, to, you know, depending on what you're going for. Um, do you have a, a particular process that you think works well, or does it depend on, you know, what, who you're looking for, what you're looking for? So it does vary. I find by what it is that you're trying to do outreach for. So like if I'm trying to do like sales outreach, for example, I might look for, I might look through like databases or directories of uh, types of businesses and then like scrape that list uh, to get to basically get a list of companies that I want to reach out to. And then from there, I'll go through my own process of uh, finding their emails and things like that. But compared to something like trying to do PR to get uh, other blogs to write up articles about my business, I, uh, the process will differ. Or if I'm trying to do outreach for like search engine optimization to build links to my content, uh, that process will also differ. And so what I might do for prospecting for like, yeah, for SEO, I might use a keyword research tool like uh, Hrefs or uh, SEMrush. Um, and those are popular uh, search engine marketing tools that like if I enter a particular keyword, let's say I, let's say I write a blog article about uh, doing cold outreach to podcasts or something like that. I might wanna see what are other articles are out there about podcasting or getting podcast guests. And I wanna reach out to them using one of those keyword research tools. I can find those articles um, and then basically build a, a spreadsheet with a list of URLs and then throw them into my software, find their emails and then reach out to them. Um, but so like it does differ based on like what your goal is and who you're trying to reach out to, uh, because the the different like these different sources, um, there there are better ways to find people depending on what it is that you're looking for. Um, right. And I'm not a very technical person myself, and so uh, when I'm like if I'm doing prospecting for like sales, so like let's say like I want to connect with marketing agencies or accountants or something like that. Um, I use a tool called, uh, it's called Hexamatic. Uh, and what it does is it lets me take a particular website, like a directory site, like let's say I have a directory that lists uh, hundreds or thousands of different CPA firms or something like that. I can basically pull all of the URLs and company names of the, of the companies in that directory um, put, throw that into a spreadsheet automatically, and then that's my list. Um, and so like, that's like, like a tool that I would use for prospecting companies and stuff like mm. that. But 
I know that there are also people who do this very manually, um, it, which is ve it's very time intensive. Like if there's something like very specific in terms of market that you're going after, you might then, then be thinking, all right, well, I need to spend a lot of time on this and make sure that I'm not reaching out to like thousands of companies, but a few curated people. And so I might go manually through LinkedIn and be searching for people by uh, company type or job type or something like that um, to build my list from there. Okay. And, and so if someone's thinking to themselves, I'd like to do cold outreach, like to get PR. Mm -hmm. um, are there, I'm assuming there's like directories of PR people by interest focus. So what I, what I do for PR, and I guess there are a few different things that you could do. Um, like there, I mean, there are PR agencies where the value that they provide is that they have relationships with uh, people at uh, major news publications and things like that. And, or they can, they can get you uh, a mention in Forbes or Inc or something like that. And they will charge you, uh, they will charge you four figures for that, uh, for like a single mention or reference or something like that. But what I found is also very doable, like for, for a small company as well is, um, so like, say I'm a business in like the cosmetic space or, um, and I want to get other bloggers in fashion to write about my products. There are a few approaches that I, I've, I've taken. Um, one approach is going after affiliate marketers. Um, these are like people that have blogs that are writing about, like they're writing extensive articles about products in this space because they are getting affiliate revenue. They are getting kickbacks whenever they refer a specific product. And in, in a lot of ways that like, like it is like the new journalism. Like, I mean, the New York Times bought Wirecutter, uh, which recommends products, and those are all affiliate links in there. Um, so, uh, what? So, one strategy that I have for like getting press coverage is, uh, if there is a company in the space that I'm targeting, um, I can look up that company in the tool like Ahrefs. And I can see who is linking to them uh, by looking at their like backlink profile. And I can see also like all, by looking at that profile, I can also see like if they're getting links that look like affiliate links. So like affiliate links, for example, like it might be like, like a link to your website and then followed by like question mark affiliate ID equals something, something, then a bunch of string of numbers and like, that to me, like I recognize, okay, that is an affiliate link. Um, so this site that is linking to you uh, is an affiliate site that's relevant to my industry. So what I'm going to do then is I'm going to build this list of blogs that is uh, of affiliate blogs in this industry, and then reach out to them to pitch them from the angle of like, hey, I saw that you are, you, you did this really great write-up about this product and uh, I see that you're also uh, an affiliate marketer. If you're interested in covering our product and writing about us, you know, and sending traffic our way and helping us get people to sign up for our, like 
buy our products. We have an affiliate program as well. Here's, here is more information about it. You know, it gets 20% commissions or something like that. And so I'm providing this offer to this other, to this website, to incentivize them to give us press coverage, you know, like that, that is a strategy that wouldn't necessarily work for something like, uh, Vogue or Inc or Fortune or something like that. If I'm trying to get press coverage from one of these like very high tier publications, but if I'm trying to get coverage from a blog that has a lot of search traffic and is ranking very well for uh, keywords related to what our product does, that's a win for me. Like I'll take that, and that's a win. Well, and that's really the key, isn't it? That you want to be in front of your audience. Exactly. And so like, like what I want to do is I want to find like, what is my, what are people in my audience reading? What are they, like, what are they consuming? Um, there are other um, tools that I found helpful. One is called a Spark Toro, uh, which is a business intelligence tool, which if you throw in a keyword, it'll let you know people who are interested in this topic are also interested in like these publications and these podcasts and things like that. And that can give you some ideas of, uh, of potential partners or people that you want to reach out to. Hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Now... Mm-hmm. Let's start focusing a little bit more on the cold email copy. Mm-hmm. Is it, I mean, how do I want to ask this question? <laughs> how do you come up with that cold email copy so that it's original, you know, it doesn't feel scripted and sure. it's a response? Yeah. So um, I guess two things have been particularly helpful for me. The first is when I'm thinking about the copy, I am trying to think about it from the perspective of the recipient. Let's say I, I'm an affiliate blogger or I'm, I have a marketing website and uh, I, I don't know about you, but like I, I, have, a, I have a website and I, I have websites and I, I get a ton of cold emails all the time. And it's the cold emails range from like, hello, sir, do you need any outsourced SEO services? We provide our services at starting at $20 an hour or something like that. Or I get cold emails like, hey, are you open to us writing a guest post on your blog? We would provide you with some great content. So like I, I get, and especially people that are have a lot of traffic to their websites, they get a ton of cold pitches every single day. So if you're sending them some generic pitch that you're not going to get a response 
um, because they, you know, they've seen it. And frankly, the more generic the pitch is, the more it kind of suggests that you either, you know, don't know what you're doing or don't have much experience um, or that you don't have a lot of value that to provide. Um, so, so I try and start from the perspective of, say I'm this recipient, I'm this person who gets a uh, hundred cold emails a day or something like that. Um, is this email that, you know, I, I've drafted, is this going to pique my curiosity to get me to open it? Is it also going to warrant a response or be appealing to me? And so uh, in the copy, I want to very quickly, one, demonstrate that I'm a human person. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Uh, to demonstrate that I know who this recipient is and who their website is and what they're all about so that it, so that they can recognize quickly, okay, this person has done their research and their pitch is going to be hopefully then somewhat tailored to us. Um, and then, um, ha provide something of value for them, uh, with a lot of people that are doing cold email, like they're like, especially for sales, it's like, I want to sell you this. Uh, I want to sell you marketing services. I want to sell you SEO. I want to sell you outsourced IT or app development or something like that. Um, do you like, do you have any need for that? Or like focusing on a very feature oriented pitch that is like, we do this, this, and this bulleted list. Do you have any need for that? And just rinse and repeat. And it's, you know, that's not all that relevant for me as a recipient. Like, if I'm, if I'm in the spot where I am going to be looking to hire someone for outsourced app development or something like that, I'm probably not going to respond to the person who says, uh, who just cold emailed me and says, we start at $20 an hour, because that's not really like, I'm not looking for the app developer who's developing it for 20 bucks an hour. I'm looking for the app developer who can effectively and efficiently develop the app that I need developed. And that copy doesn't really speak to that. And so with like, so with the copy, I want to provide some value upfront that is specific to them. Um, and in general, I find the shorter your pitch emails, the better they are. The first email in particular, it doesn't need to be a resume. Um, it doesn't need to be drawn out. What it should do is it should pique the interest of the recipient and get them to reply, just to reply to keep a conversation going. Like my call to action in my email, if it's like a sales email, won't be, it won't be, do you have time at Tuesday at 10 a.m. to discuss this further? That's really pushy. And I don't even know if they're interested. Like my call to action might be something as simple as, is this something that's interesting to you? And if they respond yes, then like, okay, great. Let's get a conversation going and we could maybe talk further and hash some of these things out. But I've never had a situation where email number one has the person sold and is like, okay, great. That's perfect. Here's a check, you know? Um, and I find that like when most people are interacting with people that they know via email, it's not that it's not that transactional. Like it's it's very relationship oriented, and people you know people work with people that they know, like, and trust. And so 
I need to build some trust and build a relationship before I can get any, get further with like further down the road of what, what we're looking for here. Um, that's not to say that I want to like hide the ball and be like, Hey, do you have this problem? Let me know. And then like, well, well, what's your solution here? I'm so curious. Like that's just going to frustrate them. Um, the, the second thing that is, I, I found particularly helpful and like just kind of changed the game for me was a particular, uh, marketer, his name is uh, John Buchan, B-U-C-H-A-N, and his program is called Charm Offensive. And basically he takes the approach of my cold emails are funny and a little bit ridiculous. They look nothing like cold emails that you typically see from salespeople or marketers or PR people or anything like that. Um, his like hero origin story was that, uh, one night he got really hammered drunk and then sent a cold email to a fortune 500 executive. And they replied, this is hilarious. Let's set up a meeting. And he was like, oh, wow, maybe there's something here. And so like the idea behind it is using humor really kind of demonstrates that you are a human person that there, that it also just like disarms the recipient because if you're the type of person who gets a hundred cold emails a day, you open, like you can probably tell from the subject line or like the first few sentences of the email, like, okay, this is a cold email for sales or PR or links or something like that. And like your, like to save time mentally, you're already checked out. Like you're like, I know my process. I'm, I, my muscle memory is going to have me click on this email. Okay. It's irrelevant. Uh, it's uh, just a cold email, archive it, delete it, spam it, whatever. But having some personality stands out. It, what it does is it gets your recipient to just stop in their tracks for a second and say like, hold up, wait, wait, what? Um, and kind of one example, I started including in my cold emails, a picture of me sitting next to my cat staring at the webcam lens and so like the copy is like um my cat here is a picture of me and my cat awaiting your reply and like you see that and you like you open the email and you see a picture of a you know, just a cat sitting and a person staring and it's like what what the heck is this and it's it did like surprisingly well to the point where Someone, uh, I didn't realize this, but I, I left my phone number in my email signature and someone called my phone and I got like a, you know, I generally don't answer my phone because it's all robocalls. Um, but I, one day I just answered the phone. I'm like, huh, this is a number from New Jersey. I wonder who's calling me from New Jersey. And this guy with a thick New Jersey accent is like, hey, Andrew. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is Mike. I'm like, uh, Mike, uh, I don't, I don't know what you're calling. He's like, what do you mean? You don't know what I'm calling about. You just sent me five pictures of your cat. <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. And he's like, no, listen, I'm just, I'm just, I had to call you like, you know, I've never got a, an email like that or, or a series of emails like that. And so I needed to like, we're having a conversation now. because I want to know more about this because you caught my attention. And I'm like, all right, so that's never happened to me in the history of doing cold email. So there must be something to this.
I think that's great. I, I have a client who was doing prospecting research and was looking for the decision makers in a company. And when she went to the website, she noticed that on everyone's profile, they said what their favorite ice cream was. So when she sent her cold email, um, her subject line was, my favorite, my favorite ice cream is, <laughs> and then she, you know, went into the email, whatever. And um, I can't remember if she said like in the postscript what it was. Anyway, the guy reached out to her yeah. because she made that connection, you yeah. know, with what was interesting to them. Right. And like, yeah. And if you're doing like really thorough prospecting, like, yeah. like I, I, like I, I got a, I, I get, I get a lot of cold emails from people asking for like, can I write a guest post on your blog? And I got one last week where, and like there, I mean, there was some effort in it. They're like, they're like, Hey, I saw that you went to Northeastern university, go Huskies. And I'm like, and like, normally I would just reply to the email. No, thanks. But I was, I, at the very least I like replied. I'm like, all right, this is clever. Like you, like the fact that you spent the effort to do this, um, you have my attention. Um, and I, I think maybe I, maybe because I do a lot of cold emailing, um, and I get a lot of cold emails, I don't know if I'm more or less sensitive to, to, as a recipient, but like the fact that like when someone spends more effort, uh, and I'm like, I, I, I'm very aware of it. I, I, I give them a lot more credit and attention because yeah, it does, it takes more effort, but also it's, it's a lot more unique than right. sending a bunch of generic emails like, hello, sir, do you need this? Yep. Yep. Exactly. I, I totally get that. Now, um, I wanted to ask you about this link building cold outreach. Can you mm -hmm. explain to the listeners, you know, what that is and why it's, why it matters? Sure. So, um, kind of big picture, um, link building is the effort to get other websites to link to your website. Typically it's other websites, blog posts somewhere linking to blog posts of yours. And the reason that we should care about this is because of all of Google's mystical ranking factors that affect whether your website shows up number one or on page 10 uh, in Google search results for a particular keyword. What we do know is there is a very high correlation with the quantity and quality of links that uh, more like more authoritative links pointing to your website, all else being equal, will make it so that your website ranks better in search results. Um, it's kind of one of the earliest thing, like Google is supposed to be like a black box in terms of what's in its search algorithm because it doesn't want people like gaming their algorithm. And like in the early days, like people figured out, oh, if I just throw in a bunch of keywords or location names uh, on my website, I'll automatically rank for those cities. Like I, if you remember back in the day, like in the early aughts, you could like see like a plumber's website and it says like, I serve these different cities and it just like lists all those cities. 
And that worked for a time to help you rank better. And Google's gotten smarter over time. Its algorithm has gotten more refined. But to this day, the more links that you have from reputable websites will increase your search rankings. And so this is something that a lot of people in SEO and marketing care about. So the way to get other websites to link to you, um, you can publish your content and share it on email and social media and hope that other bloggers link to it. Or you could be proactive and reach out to other bloggers to pitch them to link to your content. And so one common strategy is basically like, let's say I've written an article about uh, social media or Facebook marketing metrics for 2022 or something like that. I'm just making something up here. What I'll do is I wanna research other people who have articles that are similar, but not directly competing with mine to pitch them linking to my article as a resource, let's say. So like, I'm gonna reach out to, since my article is about like Facebook metrics, or uh, I might reach out to uh, someone who's written an article that like is like 100 resources for social media marketing or something like that. And so I'm reaching out to someone who has an article that's related, but not exactly on topic, because if I reach out to someone who has a very similar article to mine, there's no way they're gonna to wanna to link to it. So basically I'll reach out to the site, uh, you know, find out who, who, like find out everyone who's written a similar, like relevant article, um, reach out to them, pitch them that my article would be a good fit within theirs uh, to like ask them to link to my content. And there are a variety of different approaches and strategies that one could take. Um, that's just kind of one example. Okay, that's great. I appreciate that. that. That makes a lot of sense. I just think there's a lot of people <clears throat> who um, don't understand it, you know, have never really thought about it, but um, it definitely yeah. seems like, you know, something that's worthwhile doing as long as it's relevant right. to their it, business, right? It, so there are like a few caveats, uh, one being, uh, I don't want to name this site directly, but if you go to like, there are certain websites that that like tout that you could like buy backlinks, like uh, um, it's one more than four um, and rhymes with diver. Um, but like there are certain sites where like people will say like, oh, for uh, $10 or $5 or something like that, we will get you backlinks. Those are all categorically bad um, to the point where it might actually be more harmful than good. Um, I So I 100% would not recommend something like that. The best links that you can get are links that are specifically relevant to your site and to your content. And if you're paying for just a bunch of links, it's going to be through some very automated process um, and the sites that you're going to be getting links from are themselves probably going to be irrelevant um, or low, very low quality to the point where they're not going to make a difference or an impact for you. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Share with us some mistakes that people make when they're doing cold outreach. I mean, I know there's the one you've mentioned that that's like the generic 
you know, you can tell it's not really thought through and um, isn't necessarily personalized. Are there others? Yeah, so um, common mistakes. Um, one is not having follow-ups. So you shouldn't just send one email um, in particular because like the first email is not always gonna get a reply, but if you make one attempt to reach out to this one website and they don't reply and you give up, then that opportunity is lost. So typically I recommend like, if you're going to email someone with a cold pitch, have an email sequence of anywhere from like three to five emails, um, depending on what you're doing outreach for. Um, it increases the likelihood that you get a reply substantially. Um, because, you know, we, uh, as anyone who has an email address can tell you, sometimes we just miss things or, or we're going to get to them later. And sending follow-ups gets you right back to the top of the inbox and it like serves as a reminder. And, oh yeah, I was going to reply to that. And I went on living my life. Um, so having follow-ups is important. Um, next thing is, uh, not having personalization is, I, I think, particularly bad. So whether it's, um, you know, like not mentioning, like, like in your pitch, not demonstrating that you know who the recipient is, like either not mentioning them, their name or their company name, or if you, or if you even like do mention their company name, like have bad formatting about it. So like I, I've gotten a lot of pitches that are like. Uh, Hello, Andrew. Uh, I was I was looking around on the internet and I saw this uh, website of yours, postdaga.com. And like for me, that's a big red flag. So I'm like, okay, no one no one emails like that. That's not a very human thing. Um, so like that, yeah. Like and so for any other recipient, I'm sure like all right, that's going to be like a red flag. Um, but like not doing your research and to be able to like personalize your pitches for recipients is just means that you're going to have to be sending a lot more emails to be getting the responses that you're looking for. So like if you're getting a response rate of like 1% with your fairly generic emails, like you could get set like a magnitude of, of several times more responses if you spend the effort to better personalize your copy and demonstrate that you know who the recipient is. Um, uh, besides that, um, one other thing that I, I've seen is some people like starting out with cold email may try and use like Gmail to do it. Like Gmail and Outlook are not really meant for cold emailing. Um, like there, you can get add-on, well, for like Gmail, you can get add-ons for your inbox to be able to send a bunch of cold emails, uh, but your Gmail account can end up getting suspended if Google sees like, all right, there's a weird pattern here. You went from sending out like a handful of emails at random times of the day to sending a hundred emails within a, within a five minute window, that's suspicious we're going to suspend your account. That's a uh, real bad in particular, if it's like an, e if that you're using an email address, that is like your regular business email address. Um, one other thing I guess related to that is I would strongly recommend that if you're doing cold emailing, um, have a dedicated 
email address for it. And so whether it's a, like a best practice might be to actually not be sending from your main domain, but like a different domain or a, even like a subdomain. So I, I might not send my email, my cold emails from at postdaga.com. I might send it at from like at postdaga.co or at m.postdaga.com, something like that. That's separate so that um, if I get if I get flagged or anything like that, or that email address gets flagged as, as um, spam or something like that, that at the very least, my main email that I use every day is sheltered and protected. And so that's not going to be affected. But if you, if you follow best practices, that should not be an issue. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've been cold emailing for years. I've never had my, my email like on spam list or anything like that, because there's all like part of the like, best practices is, you know, not sending hundreds of emails per day with one email address. Um, like I might recommend limiting it to like 50 to hundred, maybe around 50 or so per email address per day. And if you want to send out more than that, have multiple inboxes, uh, for your outreach. Okay. Wow. It's very valuable. <clears throat> I, I hadn't realized. I like the idea of sending from a different email, you know, extension that that's interesting. Um, okay, so th this is, first of all, let me just say thank you so much for this information. It is um, really important and digestible, which is, is always a good thing. And, and there's a lot to it. And I know there's a lot more um, that we just, you know, don't have time to get into today. So will you tell the listeners how they can find you and, you know, anything you've got going on that they should know about, please? Sure. So I'm pretty easy to find online. Uh, my name is Andy Cabasso. On Twitter, I'm at Andy Cabasso, LinkedIn, Andrew Cabasso. Uh, Facebook, I've got a group called Grow Together SEO. That's all about cold outreach and digital marketing. Um, website is postaga.com, P-O-S-T-A-G-A.com. And if you want to try out our platform for cold email outreach, um, if you use the coupon code podcast50, that'll get you 50% off your uh, first three months. Oh, sweet. That's wonderful. Yeah. Writing that down. Um, put it in the show notes. Okay, great. Well, as I said, thank you so much, Andy, for spending this time with me and explaining this stuff that most of us do not understand, but need to. We appreciate it. And uh, listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.